This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome. Hello, Hayride listeners. You'll notice that you didn't hear our usual hello and welcome to a six-string hayride podcast intro. And that's because this is very much not an episode of the show. Jim and I have been discussing for the past 24 hours or so whether or not we should say anything about the current controversy regarding Jason Aldean and his video, Try That in a Small Town, which country music television recently took the decision to remove from their airwaves. After some consideration, we realized that we very much do feel like we need to go on record and say something. Now, first of all, I do want to give anyone who's listening to us right now a little bit of background. Both Jim and myself do have some pretty strongly held political views. Generally, we tend to be more or less on the same page. But one thing that we've tried to do very deliberately while recording the podcast is to keep our politics out of the stories. Now, this doesn't mean that we've never touched on political subjects. Uh, as a matter of fact, we got pretty deeply into them on a few occasions. When we did the murder ballad episode, which was our first episode, we talked about how the Dixie Chicks song, Goodbye Earl, had been essentially banned or shadow banned, however you want to look at it, from the airways. There were a number of radio stations who refused to play the song because it was women taking revenge on a man. We also got into some politics on the very recent episode uh, about veterans. The way that the government sometimes overlooks them when they're coming back, the way that society may mistreat them, the way that families pay a price that isn't born by those who are making the choice to send soldiers to war. So it's not like we've never touched on political subjects before. We very much have. But we've tried to do that in a way that doesn't inject any of our own personal brand of politics. However, we didn't feel that we could just let this go without saying something. So Jason Aldean has a song called Try That in a Small Town. The song was released in May to no real controversy whatsoever. On July 14th, eight days prior to me recording this now, the video was released. Country Music Television chose a few days ago to pull the video from their airwaves. Jason Aldean is now on record claiming that cancel culture is coming for him and cancel culture is very real. Folks, this is not cancel culture. There is nothing 
even remotely cancel culture about this decision. If there had been protests by the audience writ large that CMT was reacting to, sure. Let's debate about whether or not it's cancel culture. Let's debate about whether or not that is something that should or shouldn't exist. That's fine. But this isn't that. This is a private entity. This is CMT making the decision that they do not want this song to run on their channel. That is a private business making a decision for themselves that they are very much entitled to make. It's not cancel culture. Some of my own personal issues with this song and the way that Aldine is defending it is that he's acting like this is his own upbringing and this is just the way folks are where he's from. Bullshit. Aldine is not from a small town. He's from Macon, Georgia. And he didn't write the song. There are six credited writers on the song, none of which is Jason Aldine. As a matter of fact, Another Jason, Jason Isbell, has now taken to Twitter and is challenging Aldine to please write a song, any song, on your own. He's essentially told him, you call yourself an artist, let's see some art, I want to see it. He's also pointed out that Aldine was not in the room when the song was crafted. He had nothing to do with the crafting of the song. If he had been so much as in the room when they were putting any sort of final touches on the song or coming up with lyrics or anything else, he would have been credited as a writer. That is how it works in the music business. One of Aldine's rebuttals is that if you listen to the lyrics, and Jim will break down the lyrics for us here in a little bit, well, they don't specifically mention race at all. And while that's true of the lyrics... The video itself cannot make the same claim. First of all, the backdrop for the video is the Maury County Courthouse uh, building in Columbia, Tennessee. This building has a known history. In 1946, there were race riots. In 1927, an 18-year-old black man by the name of Henry Choate was lynched. These things are not buried to the sands of time. They are very well known. This location was chosen deliberately and with great intent to be what it was. There can be no denying this. Now, I know that Aldine and the company that contributed to the video, they're not on record as saying, oh, sure, we chose it specifically, but Let's not act like they're as stupid as they're trying to act. As a matter of fact, some of the footage has even been outed as not being from the U.S. at all. If you look at the show notes, you're going to see a link to a PolitiFact article. PolitiFact actually went through a lot of the scenes in the video, and they pointed out where these images come from. So, for example... 27 seconds in, we have a woman flipping off police officers. The video was captured in Berlin in 2017, according to the stock footage website Pond5, which is where PolitiFact found it posted online for purchase. Now, they go through many, many scenes in this video, some of which are from the U.S., some of which are not. 
So again, you have somebody trying to manufacture outrage at saying, we're not going to take this in a small town in the U.S. And they, they've created this thing full of dog whistles, many of which aren't even what they're claiming that it should be. The other thing that's really been pissing me off about this story is it's led to fake stories of, oh, did you know Luke Bryan pulled all of his videos off of CMT as well in support with Jason Aldean? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Five seconds of research will show you that no, he did not. There's also now a story that Blake Shelton walked away from a $30 million venture that he was working on with CMT. And no, most certainly Blake did not do that either. These are both things that were manufactured by a group of people who are trying their hardest to manufacture a crisis that very much does not exist in their world, but absolutely 100% exists in the world of the people with color that they are targeting. And yes, I said targeting. Now, again, we don't want politics and identity politics to become any part of our show. That's not why we're doing this. We're not trying to put any sort of a slant on the material that we present. Um, I should point out that I myself come from not exactly a small town. Uh, I come from Midland, Texas. When I was growing up there in the mid to late 70s, uh, I don't know exactly how many people we had, but it was somewhere around 30,000. Uh, there were a lot of towns that I spent a considerable amount of time in during my childhood uh, where family members lived, like McKamey, Monahans, Crane, that are very, very small schools. Uh, my mom went to a high school in Rankin, Texas, where the graduating class was somewhere around 20 or 30 kids. So I know a lot of small town people. Cheryl Crow comes from a small town. And as she pointed out in her rebuttal to Jason Aldean, which we'll also link in the show description, people from small towns are sick of violence as well. So with that, I'll turn it over to my co-host, Jim, who will go through some details on why this is a manufactured crisis and why we hope to see this kind of stuff just cease to exist, not only in the world of country music, but just in our world as, as a whole. We have to do better, people. We have to live the words of the young bloods who say, Come on, people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together, try to love one another right Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you starting out this discussion. Uh, more of an open letter from the Hayride to Jason Aldean than an actual episode. You're absolutely right, Chris, to point out that the reason for this is not as much political as it is just completely deliberately manufactured manipulation of an audience. You have images in the video that are supposed to represent the values and concerns of small town America, but some of the footage isn't even from anywhere in America. 
You have a courthouse that has a deep history of being associated with slavery and with lynchings, not only in the late 1920s incidents, but in later years, a young Thurgood Marshall was part of a crowd there protesting for civil rights who was violently and physically attacked by the white crowd that was there. It's understandable that Jason Aldean might be clueless as to the location and the significance of it. This is a man in interviews who has frequently said, I have not read a book since high school. Well, sir, it shows. Somebody in your management, in your production company, in your legal department, somebody somewhere knew the location they were picking. For any film, any music video, any TV commercial, there are people whose job it is solely to scout locations. So somebody in some part of the Aldean food chain knew what this place was and what it represented. They chose to do it there. And again, they're also choosing to include manufactured, not from this country images and then portray that is somehow reflective of small town life. We're kind of motivated to address this topic, not just because of the lack of sincerity on Aldine's part, but for people who say music and politics should not mix, entertainers should not speak about politics, or for people who are tempted to say, well, country music has always been a conservative type of genre or a, a conservative type of expression. This is where at the Hayride, we are going to disagree with you. And we are going to take you all the way back to your friend and mine, Gene Autry and the Cowboy Code, which starts out by saying a cowboy must never shoot first or take unfair advantage. Aldine's song is filled with the suggestion that if you do something in his fictional small town, that they don't like, you're going to get beat up for it. Well, again, according to Mr. Autry, the cowboy must never shoot first or take unfair advantage. Cowboy must always tell the truth. Well, again, Mr. Aldean, we very quickly found that you and your folks are not doing that. And then Mr. Autry reminds us in the code that the cowboy must not advocate or possess racially or religiously intolerant ideas. Uh, Jason, you're not fit to wear that hat. We also look to, of course, the originals, the Carter family, who remind us of life, family, and community as an unbroken circle. There is nothing in that song where they say, except you and you and you go wait in the car. doesn't happen. It's an unbroken circle. And then, of course, we have Johnny Cash, who writes a song that really gives his philosophy on life and on people, The Man in Black. The song is 100% sticking up for the underdog, the mistreated, the misunderstood. If you want to further understand Johnny Cash's views on white nationalism, listen to the record, Bitter Tears. We've mentioned that record before on the show. 
I think it's easy to fantasize about country musicians being conservative hellraisers of some sort. But if you look at the quality of the songwriting, the storytelling, and you listen to the interviews that these people gave, especially people like Johnny Cash, Mabel Carter, Gene Autry, Willie Nelson, they make their politics quite clear, not so much as politics, but just as common sense human decency. And this idea of country mouse, city mouse, that's fun to play with. And we have teased each other back and forth for many years. The mouse expressions are not new in any sense. You have Merle Haggard with Oki from Muskogee, where he's poking fun at the idea of big city versus small town, but nowhere in there do they approach the idea of we will beat you up if we catch you doing something in our small town. You have Green Green Grass of Home, which is a fondness and nostalgia for the simple life, for the simple environment, small town, pretty trees, mama, church, all that stuff. There's the old oak tree that I used to play on Down the lane I walk with my sweet Mary Hair of gold and lips like cherry It's so good to touch the green, green grass upon Where did that song do they say? Big city sucks, and big cities are the enemy. A lot of people who believe they have a loyalty to country music tradition claim that the kind of political or protest songs from the left or people that would identify as blue state people, that those songs are the problem. But if you look closely, Going back to Woody Guthrie, this land is your land, this land is my land. From the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. Again, there's no except for you, you and you, or we're going to kick your butt. When you look at we shall overcome, it's we again there's no exception being made would you sing we shall overcome with me please A lot of the protest, or I prefer to call it pro-humanity music that 
that would represent a more left view of politics is inclusive in terms of the people, population, the voters, the workers. When it's us against them, it's not big city against small town. It's the people united against either unfair labor or unfair politicians. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. It's unifying. It's not dividing. And I think if you look at enough examples of those songs, and we're certainly going to put a few in here, everything from Woody Guthrie with This Land is Your Land, This Land is My Land, uh, all the way through Stephen Stills asking people together, stop, look around. I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going All the way through Bob Weir commenting politicians on one side, the people dancing on the other side, and we are on our own. Selling guns instead of food to So the kids they dance and shake their bones, and the politicians blowing stones, singing ashes, ashes all fall down. Ashes, ashes all fall down. It's not don't you dare come to my town. So what is Jason, or actually the people who wrote this for him, so up in arms about? I was an English teacher by trade. Let's get out the red pen and have a look at Mr. Aldean's paper. He starts out right away. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk. Harjack an old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool? Well, act a fool if you like. Who in the hell starts out anything designed to be entertaining or musical by thinking about carjacking an old lady? I mean, first off, really? There's so many other wonderful traditional topics to talk about in music. But to address the actual end of the verse you think it's cool act a fool if you like uh jason and your you know gang of people who have inflicted this mess upon us no rational reasonable person thinks those things are cool small town you really don't get a lot of carjackings big city we have laws and police and public opinion that that unanimously speaks to the issue that those things are wrong they're foolish they're immoral we don't tolerate them again that's why we arrest people who do them chicago detroit la new york miami houston does not matter you could be in Oconomowoc, you could be in Bear Creek, you could be in Galena. Pick a small town. The law is pretty much the same throughout the country. You're nice to old people and you do not carjack them. If you have to start out a song by reminding people something that basic, 
Again, what the hell put that in your head in the first place? He moves on. It gets better. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Well, again, in a small town, that doesn't happen. Cops are mostly dealing with alcohol-related problems in the population, drunk driving, um, meth or other painkiller, opioid-type problems, and with domestic violence. Those are your major crime issues in most small towns, definitely in the small towns that identify as red states, the folks that Aldean believes are with him on this journey. Well, Jason, you know, again, something that absolutely does not happen in a small town. In your video, you use footage from a European country to depict this. And, you know, you might not know this. You'd have to be pretty dumb not to, though. But I think if you go to any American and say, hey, if you're in Chicago, big city, and you cuss at a cop or you spit in his face, people are going to start laughing hysterically before you even finish the sentence. Because if you do something like that to a policeman in Chicago, um, has anybody ever watched the video of the 1968 Democratic Convention? Something like baby blue helmets wailing on hippies, whether they were guilty or not. It, it, come on. You know, in a big city, if you do that to a cop, the cop is going to turn you into fertilizer, take you home, put you on his lawn, and enjoy his dinner afterwards. And then he goes on to say, stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. Swearing at a policeman, verbally insulting a policeman, and setting fire to the American flag, not things that I necessarily agree with, but you know what, Jason, these things are constitutionally protected. So you are threatening to assault somebody for doing something that is not a good or fun or reasonable thing to do, but those things are legal and they're constitutionally protected. So as soon as part of your and your audience defense of this song is, well, we're not vigilantes, well, you're threatening to assault somebody, which is a crime, for something that is constitutionally protected, meaning not illegal. You're not Batman. Not take this stuff into your own hands because you would just be guilty of assault and the other person would hold you liable. The other issue here about stomp on the flag that does not happen in small towns. You can set your false sense of alarm aside there, Jason. And I can tell you it doesn't happen in big cities either because I'm not a baseball person, but I love a good story. And on April 25th of 1976, Chicago, Jason, that's big city Chicago, Chicago Cubs center fielder, Rick Monday is out tossing the ball, warming up, and this is in Dodger Stadium out in Los Angeles. Jason, another big city, buddy. And two protesters, again, April 1976, this is the bicentennial year. Two protesters run out into the outfield in Dodger Stadium and try to set an American flag on fire. And Rick Monday, the Cubs center fielder, 
again, Chicago, big city, runs out there and starts to wail all over the protesters and saves the flag. This is a huge story in Chicago and in baseball history here. Uh, in 2008, Monday was actually presented with an American flag that had flown over the Valley Forge National Historical Park in honor of what he did in 1976. So this whole, you know, people should be afraid of flag burning and it doesn't happen in a small town and, ooh, scary. Uh, it doesn't happen in a small town. All you're doing is stoking a false fear. You know, if you really want to be proud of the American flag, maybe you should try a little honesty in your storytelling. Maybe you should fall back on that very proud Southern tradition of mind your own business. Don't get above your raisin. Be polite. Things that Southern people, in large part, pride themselves on, and rightfully so. Because if you want to get into this reality of, and, and let's face it, folks, you watch this video, you go through the lyrics, and it's life in a city is a non-white person hellhole of despair and violence and un-American everything to the extreme. And small towns are the Waltons and Little House on the Prairie and all that nice stuff. Well, that's a lie. First of all, when you're dividing people in a state or in a country against each other because they live in Chicago or they live in Kankakee, you know, no, that's incredibly disrespectful to all of us when you set out divisions like that. And if we're going to poke some holes in this myth of small town kind of utopia, the reality is, is if you look at the former Confederate states, or you look at states that now identify as red states, the states that are highest in domestic violence and alcoholism and people on welfare are states like Kentucky, South Carolina, Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, Louisiana, Florida, Alabama, and Mississippi. If you look at the states that have the lowest success rates in education and the lowest salaries for teachers, you're looking at that same list and West Virginia. If you're looking for states that have the highest amounts of teen pregnancies, you're looking at these same states. So let's be realistic here. Let's be polite and charming and minding our own business, and let's catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Let's be honest, Jason. Small town life can be just as hard, just as difficult, just as troublesome as life in Chicago, Detroit, or any other place you dishonestly portray as a hellhole. This has been a common thing in media over the last several years because of unnamed politicians and their view of the world. Again, statistically, measurably, in every educated way you can measure this, it's false. It's also just damn indecent and disrespectful. 
Chris and I, and a lot of people that we know and love live in small towns, have family in small towns, or love to go to small towns to spend our money. The county fair in Racine, Wisconsin is a million times better than going into Milwaukee. And to me, Milwaukee is a small town. But man, that one in Racine, those deep fried eclairs, that tilt-a-whirl, you don't get that in Chicago. But you do get that from your neighbors 75 miles north who are your neighbors, fellow Americans, fellow Midwesterners, fellow human beings. So Jason goes on to say, try that in a small town. Well, what does he want me to try? The poor education, the domestic violence, the opioid addiction? I'm really not sure. Around here, we take care of our own. Well, you know what? People everywhere do that. One of the ways that we are ultimately all the same is we have the same basic desires. We want somebody to love us and hold our hand. We want families and our friends to be safe and healthy and housed, fed, those types of things. If we have a rough time at work, we want to have a drink and complain about it. We want to be able to complain to our boss in an organized way if we have something worth complaining about. If we're sick, we want to be able to go to the doctor. If we're not sure of something, we want to be able to go to a library or school teacher and sort it out. When you spend so much time deliberately creating, manipulating division based on false pretense, And then, Jason, you complain that you are the victim. Sir, you are full of shit. This is commercial business manipulation. This is any publicity is good publicity. The last thing I would include about the culture of a song like this is this argument of we're defending Southern heritage. I hear that one a lot about the Confederate flag. Let's be plain and simple about this. The Confederate flag was deliberately chosen to represent a nation that chose to deliberately separate from the United States constitution that deliberately chose to create its own government with its own symbolism. And that government and that symbolism was based on the very much written down in all their government documentation belief that it was okay to own slaves. It was okay to own what at the time they referred to as the Negro people. If one of the ways you defend something you do involves defending the ownership of other human beings, You're just wrong from the start. And there are so many other Southern things to be aware of, to be proud of, to share respect, to spread the heritage. I've spent my whole life in Chicago, and I'm happy for that. When I go to Tennessee, when I go to Kentucky, when I've been to Louisiana, when I've been to Florida, I have had some incredible food. If you want to be proud of your Southern heritage, then get your friends up north to really dig the wheat iced tea. I 
the pitcher full of sugar with a tea bag sitting at the top. Get your grandmother's biscuits and gravy recipe and spread that around. Talk about the different ways that you can learn about, show respect, and show care for the coal miners in West Virginia. Pay your teachers better. Go to Kentucky and study the tradition of Bill Monroe and bluegrass music. Go to Texas and immerse yourself in the culture of high school and college football. Because Lord knows, attaching yourself to the Cowboys is going to bring you a nice October, but a lousy December and January. Go to the bottom of the Mississippi River in New Orleans and Louisiana and find ways to make that part of the country safer from floods and hurricanes. Find some way to preserve the Everglades, the other natural habitats that are beautiful and unique to Florida. Study what happened to the people in Oklahoma during the Dust Bowl and use that knowledge to help encourage, support, and respect the many family farmers that are in the southern part of the country. There's a ton of ways to celebrate Southern heritage. The only one that people are going to argue about with you, and rightfully so, is the one that is attached to, representative of, and reminiscent of slavery. If you folks can just manage to kind of let that one go, the culture of the American South is environmentally gorgeous. It is musically deeply fantastic and significant. And the food culture, there's a lot for us folks up north to learn, starting with hot sauce instead of mayonnaise on everything. So, Jason, you and your people have deliberately created something false, manipulative, fear-based, anger-based, and, you know, this idea that if you live in a small town, you need to teach a lesson to people in big cities. No, we are all in this together. And if you cannot create music and storytelling and a point of view that understands that, then no, here at the Hayride, we are sending you this letter to fact check you to point out that what you're doing is dishonest and ridiculous. This is not what country music is about. This is not the tradition of an unbroken circle. This is not Gene Autry's Cowboy Code. This is not Johnny Cash defending the misfits and the mistreated. This is not, in more recent days, Steve Earle bringing attention to people with addiction issues and domestic violence issues. This is not country music. This is self-serving nonsense designed to sell records and create a controversy to sell more records. Thank you. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners 
Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream. 